0: Part 9 of our series called Faith Is. Yes, now I told you we were only going to go eight weeks, but we had enough fun that we extended it one additional week, so uh, tonight's part 9 of our Faith Is series, and it's called Faith Is Obedient. Faith Is Obedient. Now we've seen a lot of things over the last couple months, and we must have started this at the end of July or sometime in August, but we've seen a lot of A lot of things, man, that faith is full of peace, it's full of joy. We've seen faith is not going to work without love. We've seen faith is stable. I mean, lots of things that we've studied, but it's all going to come down tonight to this. Faith is obedient. Until you're obedient to what God says, until you're obedient to the Word of God, none of the rest of it matters. You know, there's this, who in here could, knows what James one twenty two says, other than the front row? James 1.22, anybody? <laughs> says, uh, fate, oh, excuse me, it says, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You've got to be a doer, you've got to be an obeyer, you've got to do what the word says. Not just hear it, because there's a lot of people that know a lot of Bible verses. I mean, there's atheists that, you know, memorize Bible verses and and things to debate you with. But there's there's lots of people that, you know, have memorized a lot of the Word of God, but they don't obey any of it, and so it doesn't do anything for them. And so, you know, I'd rather be some, you know, a baby mature, you know, a, a baby Christian that's obeying the two verses I know than someone that's been saved for 50 years and knows a thousand verses but doesn't obey a single one of them. Faith is obedient, and none of the rest of what we said is going to matter in your life until you obey the Word of God, until you obey what God is speaking to your heart. Faith is obedient, and we're going to look at a couple of really, really prime examples tonight that, uh, I mean, are just life-changing, if you'll get them. But what I want to do is open in prayer and get into this message, and and God is going to speak to you tonight, if you'll listen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, uh, so much, as always, for a great church to come together and worship you in. Lord, we're surrounded by an amazing family here, and that's what we are, God. We're family. And I pray in Jesus' name that as we open... The Bible tonight that you're going to speak to us Lord and you're going to change us God and show us things correct us if we're doing something wrong we want to know it we're not too conceited to say I don't know don't tell me that God we want to know because we want to do everything you have for us to do and we want to walk in all the blessings that you have for our lives and we thank you tonight that you are changing us and bringing us up to that next level for you in Jesus name everyone said amen all right so why is faith obedient? Well, the first thing we're going to say is this. is Number one, you need to obey out of love for God. Amen? You need to obey out of your love for God. And we looked at a verse this morning over tithes and offerings, but I want to put this up here again in John chapter 14, verse 15. John 14, verse 15. And again, this is something that Jesus said. This isn't, you know, just some, uh, you know, cute quote or just some random bible verse john 14 verse 15 is something that jesus said and it's something that is of huge importance john 14 verse 15 and it says this check this out jesus said if you love me obey my commandments if you love me obey me because there's a whole lot of people, you know, that, that you can go around saying, oh, yeah, I love the Lord. I know the Lord. I, yeah, I love God. He's number one in my life. But, you know, then you look at their lives and, and maybe they're living in direct defiance and disobedience to the Word of God. And, you know, you're like, I don't, you know, I don't want to say anything, but, you know, if you love God so much, then why do you go around cursing His name all the time? Why do you use His name like that? Why do you go around letting these words come out of your mouth if you love the Lord so much? Why do you go around treating people like trash all the time if you love God so much? It it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And there's, uh, you know, a lot of people, they obey God maybe for different reasons. Our, Our reason for obeying is out of love. And there's a lot of people that, you know, I know people that they obey parts of the Bible... Just because they're afraid of, you know, the consequences that will come to their life. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, they're, they're, well, you know, I'll, I'll do this, but I, it's just because I don't want this judgment to come in my life, right? You know, I don't want sickness. Or I, don't, I don't, you know, I, I'll obey, but it's just so I don't get in any trouble. And, you know, glad you're obeying, but you don't obey God just so you don't get in trouble with Him. You obey Him because you love Him. You're not obeying God. You're not obeying the Bible just because you want to avoid trouble. And yes, it will keep you out of trouble, but that should not be your reason for obeying, you know. And, and again, there's a whole other set of people, but they just obey the Bible simply because of the blessings that it brings. Is that a wrong thing? Well, obeying the Bible will certainly bring blessings to your life, right? You know, given it, it will be given unto you. That's a Bible proven principle, you know, and, and you know, God does bring all these great things into your life, but once again, our reason for obeying is not just because of the cool things God can do for you. God can do cool things for you. He will do cool things for you, but if that's who you are, if that's why you tithe, if that's why you do the things you do, just simply For the blessings of God, just because you want God to, you know, pour things into your life. And he will. But listen to me. That is not our prime reason for obeying. Because if that's it, you'll start seeking the blessings rather than the blesser. After a while, you're like, well, you know, I I want more of this. I want more. And listen, God will bless you. But Jesus said, obey me because you love me. That's the number one reason. And if your motives switch to something else, you start to slowly get off track from where you need to be. Remember how in love you were with Jesus at that moment? Has anybody, I mean, God has absolutely... You you remember either the time you got saved, that period, or you remember when God pulled you out of a hell-on-earth situation... I, you know, I, I've been in church my whole life. And so it's hard for me to pinpoint, you know, the exact moment that I absolutely just turned from my wicked ways and gave my life over to the Lord. But I can tell you, there's been a few things in my life, hell on earth, where God pulled me out of. And if you don't know the feeling of being rescued and saved out of an absolute pit, then I mean, someday you probably will. But when you've been pulled out of a dire, nasty terrible situation and there was you were kicking and clawing and doing everything you could do to get out of it and you could not fix it in anything you tried nothing seemed to work but then jesus pulled you out that moment there is no better feeling and i think than the feeling of being rescued and saved out of an absolute pit and I have experienced that a couple of times. And that moment uh, of just the love you have for Jesus, that's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. Because when he's got you in that way, he knows that you'll obey him. And it's because you love him so much. You're saying, Lord, anything I can do for you. Imagine if somebody saved your life. You know, can you think of that? Say you were drowning out in, you know, out there in the ocean or something. And I mean, you're, 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 you're going to die. Within minutes, you are going to be a dead person, and a bunch of people walk by, and they're like, oh man, that looks bad. And, and no one helps you, but then one person jumps in and saves you. You know what I would do? I'd be like, oh my gosh, if there, I'll do anything for you. Whatever you want, I will, I will. can I pay you back in some way? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anything you want. And that's, you know, that's, that's what Jesus is looking for, that love. Because there's a lot of people that he has saved their life. And they didn't even stop to say thank you. They are like, oh, I'm glad I'm out of that mess. Now let me just go about my business. Don't be that guy. Now check it out. Faith is obedient because it loves God. And you obey out of your love for God. And I always think of this example that... I went to a Christian high school, and the pastor there told this, I, just the best story that I think applies to this, and he grew up on a farm in Wisconsin, and you know, that's a big dairy area, and so he was up there, and he said growing up they had, you know, thousands of cows or whatever, and, and when he was younger, every day he had to get up at 4 a.m. or whatever to go take care of the cows, and, and for a long time, he had no appreciation for the cows. He didn't care that they paid the bills for his family, that they were the source of livelihood and income. And, and that the cows were what, you know, that was their means of living was these cows. So his dad would have to get out of bed, push him out of bed, drag him out of bed, bribe him out of bed, kick him out the door, go help me. You know, just had to beg him and push him and everything else. ...to just do his job in the family because he just didn't get it. He had, you know, he didn't get it. But then he said as he got older and he started to realize some things... ...and he started to realize his dad wasn't having him feed the cows to be mean. His dad wasn't having him feed the cows as some cruel form of torture. His dad was having him feed the cows so they could live. And when he saw the reason for getting up and feeding the cows... And what he saw that his dad sacrificed to, to make this family survive, his dad didn't have to, you know, beat him out of bed anymore. His dad didn't have to push him out of bed, beg him to go do his job. When he got the heart of the father, he started to obey out of a love for the father. And when you get a heart for your father, you'll, you'll obey him. And it's not because you want, hey, give me some money or, or you know, I did this, don't beat me up. No, you'll obey Because you love your Father, your Heavenly Father so much, you don't want to disappoint Him. You love Him. You want to do anything you can for Him because of what He's done for you. And that's what we're looking for. That's why we obey God. It's out of our love for Him. Because if we're obeying out of any other reason, you'll eventually, you'll walk away. If your reason is anything else other than love, you'll eventually walk away from obeying God and, uh, and that's not just you know a, a, a theory that's I've seen that so many thousands of times that people, you know, they get themselves in trouble. They come into church, get their God hit, get their fix, get, get, get back on their feet. And the next thing you know, whoop, they're out the door. You don't see them again for a year or two until they get, get their butt kicked again in life. Then, Oh, better get God, you know, and it's just sad. And their whole reason for doing anything for God during those times is just to get bailed out of the mess. They put themselves in. It is, it's honest to God. It's not because They've got this love for the Father. And is that mean of me to say? I don't think so. Jesus said you could judge a tree by its fruit. And if somebody, you know, it's, it's just sad to look at. And so uh, you're, if your reason for obeying God is anything other than your true love for him, listen. You're going to get distracted and you're going to walk away from it at some point. And I I encourage you, if you're in the middle of a bad situation right now, you're at the right place. Okay, absolutely. But let's get more and more of God's heart as you're in here and watch what he can do, man. He will pull you out of the pit and he will keep you out of the pit. You're not going back in there again if you get his heart. All right. And so I want to show you. One of the hardest stories for us to understand in the Bible, that especially in our, in our modern day culture and age, it, it's just baffling to us to even read this story. But I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 22. Now this is the, I mean, the ultimate story of biblical obedience. This is, I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but mind-blowing, this story. It is nuts. Genesis chapter 22 Now, Abraham, this is the story of Abraham, a minor, minor part of his story. But uh, Abraham is called the father of faith. This guy was a faith man. And if you're not familiar, maybe you are familiar, but, you know, his greatest heart's desire was to have a son. He was a very rich, wealthy man, but he was also a godly man. And so Abraham, out of all of this, he, he, he's got all these things and all he wants is to have a son, a child to pass on an inheritance to. And of course, as you know, he's just never been able to have kids. And, and so here he is, you know, eventually gets up to 99 years old, no kids. And as you know, God, God says, listen, you're going to have more kids than there are stars in the sky. And, he, and, and, and listen, the guy's 99 and doesn't have one kid. And God says, you're going to have more descendants than stars in the sky. Now, anybody with, if you're going by your common sense, you'd say that, no, not wrong guy. That's impossible. <laughs> I don't even have one kid. And I'm really, really old. Really old, 99. And, and you know, that's, that's a you know, very old age. And, and he doesn't have any kids. His wife's 90, Sarah. And, and so, as you know, um, they, they have kids. God causes them to be able to have kids. They have Isaac. They have this son named Isaac. Now, can you imagine if you've gone all these years, you're like 100 years old, you finally get this son that you want, finally. Wouldn't that son be just the most precious your this son, even though you're rich, this son would be worth more to you. And of course, all of us that are parents, I mean, all of our kids are. But I'm looking at Abraham's position here. He's waited 100 years for this gift. This has to be, I mean, just the most important thing to him in the entire world. And so God one day comes to Abraham and says, hey, I need Isaac back. I'm asking you to sacrifice your son, and I—I I mean, this is just mind-blowing. This man of faith—he—he—he—he—it he, took him a hundred years to get this, and God says, "Okay, you've had him a few years. I'm going to need him back. I need you to sacrifice him on a burnt—a burnt offering on an altar." And Abraham—he goes through with it. If you know the story, so check this out. Genesis chapter 22 and we're going to look at verses 9 through 13. And so, you know, they're walking up the mountain and I mean, this part almost makes me cry. I'm not a man that cries often. Okay. It's it's been a while, been a few years, but here we are at this part of the story. And we're going to pick up at verse nine, but they're walking up the mountain for the sacrifice. And Isaac looks at his dad and he says, dad, I, I see the, the wood and I see the altar, but but where's where's the sheep for the burnt offering, and and you know Abraham he said I think it's verse say here he said don't worry Isaac God will provide, and can you imagine you're walking up the all, up to this to your son, and he's saying Daddy I, I don't get it I, where's the sheep for the for this burnt offering. Well it's you you know but he didn't say that and so look at verse nine. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go. Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, "Abraham, Abraham!" Yes, Abraham replied, "Here I am." And I mean, can you imagine how glad Abraham was to hear this voice? Normally you hear voices coming out of the sky, you're a little bit freaked out. But right now, this is the best timing ever to hear a voice coming out of the sky. He says, yes, yes, whoa, here I am, here I am. And look at this. Don't lay a hand on that boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly do fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son, then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Wow. What a story. Abraham was literally had the knife up. Now, again, this is so hard for us to comprehend. But God, you know, what did, the, what did God say to this angel? And he said, listen, I know You're the real deal. Now, if you won't even hold back your son from me, if you won't even hold back your own son. Now, this is, you know, think about this. This is also a type and a shadow of what God did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I, I've heard it said, and I don't want to go on record for this, so I need to study this better. I should have looked this up, but this is just coming to my mind right now. But I have heard it said that this same mountain that Abraham took Isaac to ended up being the same place that Jesus died on the cross. Now, if, you know, now if this is true, I, you know, this is just coming up to me right now, but if this is true, you know, think about the, think about the, uh, the, the tying in Of Jesus dying on the cross, God laying down his only begotten son, and Abraham being willing to do it. Now, this was obviously one of the greatest tests of obedience of all time. How many of us, God has asked you to give up something far less than your only son, and you said no? How many people does God say, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse? And people said, heck no, I'm not doing that, you kidding me? No, I can't survive, no. And here's this guy. He, he didn't even hold back his only son. God said, I need, I'm, I'm asking you to go speak to this man over here. He needs to hear the love of God. What will he think of me? I can't do that. That would be embarrassing. What if, what, if, what if the guy yells at me? I, no. How many things has God asked us to do that we haven't been obedient in, that were far, far, not even comparable to what Abraham was asked to do? And we said, no. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, but I'm looking at my life. And there's a lot of things that come to my mind where God said, I need you to do this. And I was like, no, they'll think I'm stupid. I'll I'll look silly. I'm not going to do that. No, I can't give that up just yet. I still want that. No, no, no. And I'm looking at my life right here. And here's Abraham. And he actually picked the knife up. Now, I need to show you something from the New Testament. Because truthfully, God was never going to let Abraham kill that kid. It, was, it wasn't going to happen. God, the whole time, had it planned out. God would have either stopped him with the angel and said, no, Abraham, just don't do it. Or, or if Abraham said, no, God, I can't do that, uh, then, then, then God would have said, all right, and well, now I know where you stand with me. But either way, God never was really going to let Isaac die on that altar. Because one of the things that God despises most, obviously, is the killing of children. And, you know, one of the, one of the worst things that Israel ended up doing is they let all these people interbreed with them and everything else, these Canaanites and all this stuff, these people that sacrifice children to gods. And so if there's one thing God hated, it was that. And so that it was never going to happen. But God found out that Abraham was willing to let go of the most precious thing to him. So let me show you something quickly in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11 is called the, the, the Faith Hall of Fame. And if you read Hebrews 11, there's miraculous, incredible stories of true heroes of faith. And, uh, and it's just incredible. But obviously, Abraham and Sarah are mentioned several times in Hebrews 11. But I want to show you something. Hebrews 11, verse 17, it refers to the story we just read. Hebrews 11, verse 17, it says this. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. And so Abraham's faith was at such a level, okay, such a level that he said, he reasoned that, okay, if my son does die today, I believe God will bring him back to me and God will give him back to me somehow. And so, well, as I said, Isaac was never going to die that day, but Abraham was such a man of faith and his obedience proved it so much that he reasoned within himself, okay, this is the, the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. But if my son, you know, if, if, if he does, I believe God's going to bring him back to me. And, and this is just such an incredible story of the obedience. Now, if Abraham was obeying just because God could bless him, would he have done this? No, because God had already given him the blessing and like he got what he wanted. Right. Are you are you following me here? If Abraham only obeyed God because God could bless him, would Abraham had offered Isaac up? The answer is no, because Isaac was the blessing that he wanted. Abraham didn't need any more money. He didn't need any more cattle. He didn't need any more servants. He needed a son. God gave that to him. And if Abraham only obeyed God for blessings, he would not have offered Isaac up. If Abraham's reason for obeying was just to stay out of trouble with God, would he have offered Isaac? No. The reason that Abraham could offer Isaac up is because he loved God. If you love me, obey my commandments, Jesus said. And if you really love God, there is nothing in this world that you won't give up for him. You will give money up for God. You will give up jobs for God. You will give up houses for God. You will give up hobbies and friends and relations. If you truly love God, there are things that you'll give up. There's a lot of things that, you know, that you don't necessarily want to give up, but, but, and God's not going to ask you to give everything up. So don't come out come out of here thinking that, well, God's probably going to ask me to give away all my money to the poor in Haiti and God's going to, no, that's probably not going to happen. But he wants to know, are you at least willing to do it? Are you at least willing to to give up a little bit of what you have. Are you at least willing to step out and sign up for the nursery? Are you at least willing to step out and help the ushers? And, and are you at least willing? Because there's a lot of people that they are not willing to do it. And, and again, they're not going to walk in the fullness of what God has for them. Because they're not obedient and faith. Is obedient. So number one, we obey out of love for God. But number two, you got to start little. You obey even in the little things. Yeah, you obey even in the little things. Now, let me show you something here. Another word of Jesus in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Luke 16, verse 10. Check this out. Luke 16, verse 10. But we're all coming down to this right here, that out of everything we've learned, it's time for us to obey. Has God been speaking something to your heart that you've been fighting him on? Well, tonight's tonight to submit and say, Okay, not my way, but your way. Is there something you read in the Bible that you know is the truth, but you've just been fighting against it, saying, Oh, I don't I don't want to I can't do that. No, I'll look stupid. Is there something That God is trying to get to you either through a word from somebody else or through the written word of God. Or some way God is speaking to you and you just haven't fully obeyed him on yet. Tonight's the night to finally give in and say, okay, I'm going to do it your way. Because faith is obedient and you're not going to see all the promises until you get here. But Luke 16 verse 10, Jesus said, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And so we can break it down like this. If you don't obey in little things, he knows you're not going to obey him in, big, in the bigger things. If you can't be faithful and obedient to do the little things, why would he give you greater responsibilities? You know what I mean? And, and if I'm a boss and, and, I'm, and I've got ten employees... Even one may be the most qualified, one may be been with me the longest, but I'm looking to make somebody, you know, my assistant manager or whatever, to promote somebody like we were talking about earlier. I'm going to go with the one that obeys what I tell him to do. You know what I mean? I don't care if he's not as qualified. I'm a whole lot more interested in the heart and in the attitude and I, and I've told you man I I've I've worked with people in ministry and even when I was worship leader I, you know I had this guy the best musician that I that I ever had play with me up there But he wasn't obedient. He was unfaithful. He was a bad attitude and everything else. And so, basically, I don't know how to say that. I I fired him. You know, if you can fire someone from a volunteer position. But I did. And I trained. I I just started going through the crowd and picking up teenagers. Some of them were in here. I was picking up teenagers. You look like you could play a bass guitar. You look like you could play the drums. Oh, you you like guitar? Can you spell guitar? Good. Come on. You're qualified. And, I mean, I would just take. And so, I, I had to, you know handpick my because nobody else was obedient and faithful. And in the end, obedience is better than sacrifice, it says, and I will take an obedient heart any day. Over talent or training or or experience, I will take an obedient heart. Because if somebody can't obey a simple command to, you know, hey, I I need you to go sweep the floor, why in the world Would I ever promote you to you know being the financial manager? Why in the world would I give you any greater responsibilities if you can't even do the simplest one? And that's one of the strangest things I see is somebody that's always complaining and nagging and hating on their job and their boss and they're disobedient and and all this stuff and they're praying for a promotion. (laughs) I'm not gonna pray for you to get promoted. I'm going to pray that your boss will hire somebody that will actually sweep the floors when he says to. I'm going to pray your boss will hire somebody that will actually, you know, answer the phones. I, I, can't, I cannot in good conscience pray for you to get promoted if, if you are a disobedient little brat at your job. I can't do it. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. And I was thinking, in, uh, when, when we were in college in Oklahoma, one, uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm not afraid to say it, but I've shared it before. Katie and I were telemarketers for a year there. And at the telemarketing job, you know, uh, I was very, very bad at the job, and Katie was very good. I took a voluntary demotion because I just didn't want to get yelled at anymore on the phone. So I don't like to get yelled at. And if you're a telemarketer, your job and your place in this world is to get yelled at and cussed at and threatened, like, every day. And I hated it. But Katie, somehow, Katie inherited this sales gene from her father, and Katie can sell, 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 and it's, it is It's nuts. And so, uh, you know, we, our telemarketing company had offices in several different states, and each week they'd release the, the, the rankings of their top sellers out of the country. So I don't know how many employees they had, probably hundreds, maybe into the thousands, but they'd release it, and Katie would be in the top five. And here I am, I'm like the bottom guy at our office. I'm the worst guy there. So anyway, of course, I never got promoted. I took a voluntary demotion. You know, I'll go change the trash or something, I don't know. But so I, I got out of, you know, getting yelled at but katie she got promoted okay so they, they have this this management position open there's this one kid who you know is just not obedient at all i mean not a good employee whatsoever but just really wants the position i mean he, he could sell some stuff obviously better than me but he could sell some things but he just didn't have that good obedient attitude and it was him versus katie and i mean of course. Katie got the job, and so, yes, Katie was my boss for a while, but, so, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's it's weird, you know, but anyway, so, so, she gets the job, and this, this poor guy, he can't want, you know, well, why didn't I get, I don't, I don't know why, I mean, I'm more qualified, I've got more college, and it, it doesn't matter, If you can't be obedient in little things, you're not going to get trusted with greater ones. And so I know, again, some Christians, they're like, God, I mean, I see myself on the worldwide stage. I see myself... You know, healing the thousands, saving the millions, raising the dead, and and they 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 can't even I mean show up on time to to do their job at church if they even volunteer for anything at church. But yet, yet they want to be on the worldwide stage and be you know be the next Billy Graham, and they can't even change diapers in the nursery, to do anything at all. God's not going to promote you to that, no. Why would he? If he can't trust you to do something little, he is not going to give you a greater responsibility. You've got to start with the little things. And we're talking about faith here. We're still talking about faith. But I'm talking about us getting to the next level. Faith is obedient. And if there's something God's been telling you to do, even if it's little, you better obey it because it'll stop the flow in your life. It'll absolutely stop things in your life. And so if God can't trust you with little, he can't trust you with, with greater. One of the, one of the cool stories that I think of is the story of John D. Rockefeller. If anybody, you know, I read about him, but the, the richest, probably the richest person to ever live. I, I forget what his net worth was. I haven't looked at it for a while, but it was, it was the hundreds of billions of dollars in today's currency. You know, and you take Bill Gates is like 60 billion. Well, John Rockefeller was over $100 billion. and so it was incredible, but John Rockefeller was a tither, and one thing that he said was incredible, you know, and I, I've got, I've got a, a biography of him, it's like a 400-page biography, but, uh, but one of the things that John Rockefeller said was, if I had not tithed off of my first $10, I wouldn't have tithed off of my first $1 and, and here he started off with nothing. He would, did not inherit money, anything at all, self-made, hard-working man. But through all of it, he continued tithing. And so I know a lot of people that say, well, you know, if I, if I made more money, then I would obey God in this area. And this isn't the night to talk about tithing. This is just what's coming against me. So if you feel guilty, I'm sorry, but it's, we're still in this out there. It's an easy example. All right. And so, but I know a lot of people, well, you know, if I made what he makes, then I would. Liar. If you aren't obedient in little things, you're not going to be obedient in greater things. It's statistically proven that people that make the least amount of money are the highest percentage of, of tithers, okay? And so if you, don't, if you can't give God, you know, uh, $10 off of the 100 there's not a chance in the world you'll give him 1000 off of the 10000 No way in the world to give him the 100000 off of the million. You're not going to do it. That's a lie. And, and that's fine. That's between you and God, but don't lie. Okay? If you can't be faithful in little things, you're not going to be faithful in big ones. It's just a Bible fact. And so examine our lives tonight and let's see God, are there little things that I know to do that I'm not doing? Are there little things that you've spoken to me that I haven't obeyed you on yet? And God's not going to give you your next assignment. He's not going to give you your next step in life if you haven't completed the last one. The psalm says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I firmly believe that God leads his people most of the time in steps. One step at a time. Now, every now and then he'll ask you to take a gigantic, massive leap, you know, but most of the time it's steps. Okay, now that you've received Jesus, now I'm going to ask you to come over here and be baptized. Now I'm going to ask you to come over here and become a member of the church. Now I'm going to ask you to come over here and tithe. Now I'm going to ask you to come over here and serve. Now I'm going to ask you to come over here and lead a class. And it's just step by step by step. And if you've been stuck on the same step, the same thing for the last, you know, however long, and you're like, what's what's the next thing? I'm just not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere. Have you completed the last step? Have you been obedient on the last thing that God told you to do? Or have you been hung up on that for a long time? Well, listen, he can't give you the next one until you complete that one. Faith is obedient, even in the smaller things. And um, we're going to go ahead and move on to point number three here. And it's this, number three, we need to obey even when it's hard. So you've got to obey in the little things, but you've got to obey even when it's hard. Now, do you think it was hard for Abraham to bring Isaac up to that altar? That was really hard. That was like on a scale of 1 to 10, that was a 100. There there was nothing that could have been ever harder than that. That had to be the hardest thing in the world. Or when God gave his only begotten son. You think that was easy? No. that That wasn't easy for anybody involved. It was hard on Jesus, hard on God, hard on... I mean, that was a difficult situation. But they still went through with it. Jesus still went through with it. And so, maybe... You've been challenged with something hard. Maybe you've been challenged with something difficult. Are you obeying God through it? Are you obeying even when it's hard? You could say, well, I've obeyed in the little things, but I mean, this is, this is mega. This is massive. I don't think I could do this. Well, I want to show you one last story tonight, and it's in First Kings chapter 17. And this is another just, I mean, this is another one of those Bible stories that it, it's just hard to wrap your mind around. It's, it's insane, First Kings 17. So you've got to start in the little things and work your way up to the hard things. Now, I remember when I was, uh, when I was a wee lad, we, had, we lived out in the country and uh, on several acres. Jesse Garcia has been to my childhood home. And it's nothing but several acres of grass. And I'm not talking about grass that we had to get a sprinkler out for. I'm talking about grass that grew at a, a scary rate. You had to mow it at least once a week. Or else, you, you know, you know, I mean, just grass. Just, I mean, some weeks, twice. If it was rainy season, you'd be out there every day. <sniffs> and I mean, several acres. It was awful. You know, mosquitoes attacking you and bugs and snakes. Just, uh, you know, it's beautiful, but just there's a price to pay for the beauty. And so I remember growing up, I always wanted to be able to use the riding lawn mower, you know, when I was a little kid. And, and my parents, wisely, they wouldn't let me use it until I proved I could handle a little push mower. Until you can do this. And a straight line, we're not going to put you on a, you know, on that thing. You'll kill somebody, you know, and I mean, several acres. But I remember finally I got to the place where I could mow straight, even lines and and all this stuff. And finally, I was trusted with the riding mower. But I couldn't be trusted with that type of power until I could handle a little bit of power. And in our lives, God's not going to just release, the, you know, the fullness of power and blessings into your life until you prove you can handle the little bit of what you got. You know, if, 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 for instance, you know, every time you, you just misspend and mishandle money all the time, you know, as soon as you get money, you throw it out the window, you get rid of it. Oh, man, there's still five dollars left. We better get rid of this. Fa- you know, you just blow and mishandle your finance. God's not going to bring you in even more just so you can b- screw that up, too. You've got to start handling what you have before he gives you more. And so we saw what Abraham did. We, we, we've seen some stories here. But now I want to show you another one of these stories that I'm like, man, I don't know. I, I just, man, this is insane. But 1 Kings 17, and in a second here we're going to pick it up at, uh, at verse 10. But Elijah here uh, is the prophet, and the, the land is in a famine, a drought, a famine. People are dying. It is just a bad, bad situation. But I want to show you what Elijah does here. He gives this woman a chance to obey God and absolutely change her life. 1 Kings 17, verse 10. It says, so he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called her, hey, bring me a bite of bread too. I'm adding the emphasis, you know, I'm sorry. All right. But she said, "I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar, and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die." I'm thinking, "Jeez, calm down, lady. A <laughs> piece of bread, jeez." But I mean, she's in a a dire situation here. And here comes this jerk that's never even met her. Saying, Wait, woman, give me a bite of bread. You know? I mean, how bad does this look? And, and so she's like, listen, you, re- I'm about to die. You see these sticks? These are going to make the last fire that I will ever see to cook the last bite of bread that me and my boy will ever bite into. And then, We're going to go lay down in our house, and we're going to sit there and die of starvation. But you want some bread. Oh, that's cute. Now, look at this. (laughs) This is going to sound like the most insensitive Bible verse in the whole Bible, okay? This sounds super insensitive, but you'll see why. Verse 13. But Elijah said to her, hey, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. Make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Doesn't that sound really super selfish? I mean, let's get real. That sounds, I, that is so selfish. It sounds like, if, you're a, if, you're, if you don't understand the Bible, this makes us look like just complete jerks. He's like, that's okay, I'm, you know, go ahead and die, but bring me some bread first, then you can go die. Wow. Elijah saw something he, he saw a way to fix her situation for the rest of her life. He was going to give her a chance to obey God. The, on the outside, this looks selfish. But if you understand the Bible, Elijah's doing the most kind-hearted thing ever recorded. In, ever, This is huge. Look at this. He says, you make me some bread, then take care of you and your son. But look at verse 14. Here's the reason why. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. If you'll obey me, you can have food for the rest of your life. If you hold on to that one piece of bread, it'll be the last thing you ever eat. Wow. Wow. And so many times we're holding on to that one little thing we have. No, no, I, no, I can't give it. No, this is mine. And God's saying, if you'll give me that piece of bread, I'll give you all the bread you could ever want. If you'll give me that one little thing, you, you just hand me that one little thing you've got, and I'm going to take care of you for the rest of your life. Sometimes... When you're tested with obedience, you, I mean, you've got to realize that God's not going to ask you to give something up and not just pour something even better into your life. She could have ate one piece of bread and died, or she could give that one piece up out of obedience and have food and provision for the rest of her living days. This is decision time. What in the world are you going to do? You're going to to do what makes sense to your head? You're going to do what God's saying to do. If you, do what, if you, if you choose your path, that's fine. You have, you have the right to choose whatever you want to choose. You do not have to choose God. You do not have to choose church. You do not have to go to heaven. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And that's fine. You have the power to make choices. But you also live with the consequences of the choices that you make. And so she could have held on to this one little piece and died. Or she could say, no, give it, give it to you. This is for the Lord. You take it and and you just go ahead and be taken care of for the rest of her life. And so look at this, verse 15. This is this is absolutely powerful. So she did as Elijah said. She obeyed. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Look at verse 16. This is great. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Wow. In the end, do you think she was glad that she obeyed? Do you think she was glad she did it God's way? Absolutely. And there's been a lot of times where God's asked me to do something. I'm thinking, I don't know, man. I don't get it. I don't see how that's going to work out. I don't, I don't, I don't. And God's saying, shut up with your eyes. Okay. Shut up. You're saying I too much. We're supposed to be, you're supposed to be paying attention to me, not yourself. And if this woman hadn't done this, you would have never heard of her. She would have been like the other thousands of people that died of the famine. There'd be no record of her in the Bible. You would have no idea she ever even existed. There was a lot of other people that died that day. But she was not one of them and her son was not one of them because she obeyed the word of God. Do you think it took faith to do that? Oh, man. Yeah, it did. But faith is obedient. Faith obeys even when it doesn't see the answer. And that's what God was asking her to do. That's what God was asking Abraham to do. That's what God is asking you to do. Obey. It's okay. Even though you can't see the end, it's okay. I've got this and i i'll 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 wrap it down with this one final story i heard this story about sad story this family's house caught on fire and everything and so they all get out but there's the the, just the 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 little girl she didn't get out so she's stuck in the upstairs window of the house and it's burning and i mean she has very little time left and finally dad just shoves everyone out of the way because they're not getting up there and he says Just jump. I've got you. And she's saying, no, I can't jump. I can't even see you. I can't do it. No, I can't jump. And he's saying, it's okay if you can't see me because I can see you just jump. And that's what it is when God's asking us to obey. You may not be able to see where you're going to land. You may not be able to see him. But he's saying, it's okay. Just do it because I can see you. I'm standing right here. I'm not going to let nothing happen to you, man. You're going to be all right. And so for all of us tonight, as we just bring it down into this, faith is obedient. We've seen what faith can do. Faith can move mountains. Faith can heal. Heal me of cancer. Faith Faith can, uh, I mean, bring in jobs. We've seen that. Faith can heal marriages. Faith can bring the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. Faith can do all of these things. But it's not enough to just say, well, I've read all those verses. You've got to obey obey those verses so what is it that god is speaking to your heart has he been telling you to do something has he been telling you to give something up has he been telling you to go do something extra has he been telling you something and you just haven't wanted to you haven't obeyed. listen we're not here to make you feel bad we're here to help you feel good so whatever that is whatever this means to you whatever it is in your heart that god's been saying i ask you to examine that tonight and say god all right I give up. You win. Whatever it is you need from me, I'm going to do it. And listen, when you give it all up for him, you don't lose out on anything. You gain everything. And that's what he wants for you. Faith moves mountains. Faith is amazing. It, it is, you can't please God without it. Faith is one of the best subjects we could ever study. But faith is obedient. And I'm asking you tonight to look and see what is it that God's asking you to do. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and we'll call it quits there tonight. All right, we can go ahead. Well, we'll have Monica and Grayson come up and close us out in a worship song. But, you know, we'll take a minute while we're worshiping God. If he's speaking something to you, talk to him and and, and get it straight with him. But if you need prayer for anything tonight, we would love to pray for you. We would love to hook our faith up with yours. And so let's worship for just a minute. If you need prayer, come on up. We're here for you.